Precious little is known about the origins and early history of Clan Gangrel. It is believed that their founder was a woman named Enoya, a child of Lilith, who had been raised by wolves and who, if the legend is true, mated with one of them and produced what would become the Lupines or the Garu. Perhaps this is a convenient tale the Gangrel tell themselves and others, as they are known to sometimes find common grounds with the werewolves, unless they get torn to shreds immediately upon their first meeting, that is. Indeed, were it not for their usefulness as warriors, scouts and messengers, it is doubtful the Camarilla would have wanted the outlanders in their sect to begin with. Unlike their more well-behaved cousins, the Gangrel have little patience for societal niceties and even the Bruja and Nosferatu are more at home in Elysium than the animals. That is not to say they are actively antisocial, and some of them actually do enjoy the company and attention of others. It is merely that they are wild. Like animals, they carry their emotions on their sleeves, and are often poor liars and unable to maneuver the illogical minefield of politics as naturally as the Ventru or Toreador. But put them on the battlefield and few can match their ferocity and resilience. It is said that when Enoya found the first city, she left the wolves to live among humans. There, before her embrace, she is said to have bore children to many men in the city. Being used to taking what she wanted, that wouldn't come as a surprise, although it is questionable just how many children she did have before the second generation decided to embrace her. It is not known who Enoya's sire is, and some scholars even argue that it was none of Enoch, Zilla, or Irad, but rather Lilith herself who embraced her. Others claim that it was the antediluvian of Clan Ravnos who is her sire, but regardless of her actual origin, she is considered one of the original 13, the antediluvians. It is unknown how involved Enoya was in the betrayal of their sires, but it is assumed that she traveled east once the deed was done, joining the Ravnos founder for some time. During this period, after the fall of the first city, humanity may still have been a hunter-gatherer species, and thus the vampires of the time were less likely to reside in cities. The natural aptitude of the Gangrel to find their way in the wilds, to communicate with beasts and to meld with the earth may have made them perfect leaders for such communities, unlike the Torador and Ventru who thrived much more in cities and permanent settlements. Whether this is true or not, the Gangrel are the most well-traveled of the clans and Enoya was no different. She and Ravnos wandered east across the steppes of Central Asia, eventually arriving in India, and for a time they lived together, possibly even waging war against the Wan Kuei of the region. Yet at some point, the two had a falling out, and Enoya eventually lost that conflict, taking her brood with her back west. Yet even between Enoya's childer, there was a conflict, and they went their separate ways, heading north, west, and south. Some are also said to have traveled east, beyond India, but no one knows for sure what happened to these gangrel. Those who went north and south kept out of touch with the main body of the clan for a long time, as Enoya chose to head west along with the majority of her childer. When the Sumerians arose in Mesopotamia, many of the clans found their places in these cities, but not the Gangrel. They had not forgotten how things had been before humanity had put down roots, and they did their damnedest to remind the kind about it too. They threw all that they had at the city walls of these civilizations, ghouling animals, manipulating raiding tribes, yet nothing prevailed, and eventually the outsiders realized that their time was over. Humanity would, now and forever, remain in the cities. As Babylon reached its zenith, there was no longer much unity between the Gangrels, and they had scattered to the winds. The Gangrel had little interest in neither Rome nor Carthage when these two great city-states rose. Already outsiders, they felt ill at ease within the walls of the two empires, and, if some are to be believed, they mistrusted Rome due to the Malkavians' involvement in its ruling, 
and had no interest in Carthage as the Bruja and Banu Hakim ruling it had strayed too far from the Edicts of Cain. If this adds up, then that gives some credence in Anoya not being involved in the slaying of the second generation. Perhaps then her curse, which she passed down to all of her progeny, reflects her nature as an outsider. Perhaps Cain saw that she preferred the company of animals, not caring for the fate of the second generation, and thus ensured that she would never be holy in either kingdom. It is said that the Gangrel sought to warn both the rulers of Carthage and of Rome, yet that none of them would listen. Carthage would fall to the Romans and Rome, in turn, to the marauding tribes. And things did eventually happen as the outsiders predicted. Yet it earned them not recognition, but part of the blame, further cementing their status as outsiders. Enoya is said to have entered Torpor around 2000 years ago, leaving her childer behind to fend for themselves, sure that they no longer needed whatever guidance she had offered them before. And for the most part, she was right. One of her descendants, a Gaelic Gangrel, embraced two worshippers of the Syrian god, Sol Invictus, the unconquered son, also known as Mithras. One of them was found quickly by vampire hunters who forced the Cainite to face the son that she loved, and the other decided that he would avenge his fallen sister. He formed the Invicti, a small group of kindred hunting the hunters, basing their philosophy on the phrasing in the Book of Nod that no mortal shall be permitted to raise a hand against those who wear the mark of Cain. The Invicti turned out to be surprisingly good at their task and quickly earned themselves both much influence and many enemies. This, however, may have been their downfall, as the founder, now called Constanus, and some of his closest followers were caught unaware in a fire in northern Italy around 600 AD. Following the loss of their order's head, the Invicti soon faded into obscurity, and a mere 50 years later, they were all but a forgotten chapter in history. Both the Gauls and the Ostrogoths attacked and pillaged Rome, and coincidentally both had a strong presence of Gangrel in their midst. It is unknown if the outsiders influenced these cultures to attack the empire, but it would hardly have been needed. There was already plenty of bad blood between them and the Romans, and the hardened people of the steppes knew when they needed to take what they wanted from others. And with the fall of Rome, the Gangrel found that once again they would quickly lose the ground they had gained earlier. Prone to travel, they found it difficult to remain in whatever territory they had claimed for themselves, and thus when they finally returned to their domain, another vampire would have often moved in, taking the land for themselves. For several hundred years after the fall of the Roman Empire, the Gangrel kept mostly to themselves, rarely bothering to interact much with the rest of the Cainites. But this would change drastically when news reached them of the Tremere. This fledgling clan had risen from nowhere and had, within the span of less than a mortal generation, established themselves as powerful rivals to the Tsimitsi. Said to have been a house of powerful mages before their ascension into vampirism, this elusive faction seemed to have little value that would interest the nomadic Gangrel. At least it seemed that way. But when the Gangrel found out where these Tremere got the raw material for their gargoyles, they quickly changed their minds. The warlocks would kidnap vampires from the Tsimitsi, Nosferatu, and Gangrel, dismember them, and then sew the bodies together using parts from multiple victims before conducting a series of rituals that would transform these stitched together body parts into an entirely new creature. The Gangrel joined the Tsimitsi in their war against the Tremere, and the two unlikely allies fought for over a hundred years. And while the Tsimitsi didn't care much for those of their kind turned into beasts, the Gangrel would try to help any they could find, releasing them or, if this was not possible, granting them final death. As the Mongol hordes invaded Europe, however, the attention of the clans turned towards this new threat, as nothing quite like it had ever happened before, nor would it ever happen again. Many Gangrels sided with the Mongols, reminiscing about their pasts, of the sacking of Rome or even earlier. 
One gangrel in particular, Arnulf, fought with such intensity that even today he is remembered for his ferocity. He was said to have hailed from Scythia, and that he had once fought against Alexander the Great. He desired vengeance against the heirs of the many tribes who invaded the European lands only to settle down themselves. His desire to return humanity to a time before cities coincided well with the Golden Horde, and were it not for their sudden and to this day unexplained return to the east, the ancient Gangrel might have seen his dream come true. The Anda, reputedly heirs of the Gangrels who journeyed east, had joined the Mongol invasion and a significant number of them remained behind once the Horde withdrew. Although culturally different from the western Gangrel, these Anda turned out to be remarkably similar to their cousins as far as disciplines and mindset goes. It is said that during this time, the Ravnos who traveled with the Roma to Europe from India came into contact with the Gangrel, who, being experienced travelers themselves, helped the traveling Roma gain the permission of local lords to visit their lands, the Ravnos paying back by sharing their own blood and that of the Romani under their protection. It is not known when this friendliness turned into a bitter rivalry of today, but some would say that the stories of Anoia and the Ravnos Antediluvian being lovers turned bitter enemies is merely a construction made to either symbolize or justify this feud between the two clans. When the Inquisition began in earnest, the Gangrel fell victim to their fires as readily as any other clan. While their reluctance to visit cities kept them away from the public eyes, many of them bore features that betrayed their undead nature, and it was not hard to justify the burning of a gangrel when she had eyes like a spider or webbed toes like a frog. The Lianan, a bloodline of the gangrel, is known to have been completely eradicated during this time, their pagan rituals caused enough for the intolerant church to persecute them. And when the Convention of Thorns was called, the gangrel went, and many of them sided with the Camarilla in particular the elders of the clan. The reason was simple, little would change from how it had been, and the Gangrel had never heavily engaged in the Anarch's cause to begin with. Many young Gangrel joined the Sabbat regardless, but the majority of the clan decided to side with the Ivory Tower, and would remain supporters of it up until the 1990s. But the events leading up to their departure from the Camarilla will be another story, for another time. Our work has pleased the antediluvian snow who has risen to oversee it. Long may he reign, this dark god. The Methuselah storyteller Nyland, ancient and powerful is he, and Aubrey Ayers, whose wisdom transcends the boundaries of our understanding, are likewise worthy of our devotion. We are truly blessed to serve such illustrious masters. The Council would also especially like to thank these primogen for their contribution to its work. Maximilian S. Hardcastle, 06, and Stonewolf 18. Your wisdom, experience, and good judgment shall be the torchlight by which we conduct our affairs. Our elders Edward Reed, Dante the Canine, What's That Smells His Blood, and Remy Van Roy shall receive our gratitude for their support and wise counsel. And we would also wish to send our thanks to the Ancile, Colin Gifford, Harry Wyckoff, and Envion for their support. Likewise, our stalwart neonates shall, as always, receive our appreciation for their services. And thank you for watching. Now be careful out there, for Gehenna may soon be upon us.